0: We all need a shot of encouragement to keep us going. A new beginning with Greg Laurie is sure to help in your journey of faith. Hear it twice daily. Details at vision.org.au
1: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
2: Let's turn our attention to the humanitarian crisis that's continuing in the African nation of South Sudan. The largest refugee crisis in Africa is happening in South Sudan, where the UNHCR estimates there are as many as 1.8 million people displaced. People fleeing violence lose everything as they are forced to abandon their homes. Alarming levels of malnutrition are seen across the country, and the rates are higher than anywhere else in the world. Well, our privilege today to be talking to Jacinta Nell, who's a nurse with the Christian Aid Organisation called Medair, renowned to be one of the most active humanitarian relief organisations in South Sudan. Jacinta, welcome along to 2020. Thank you. Jacinta, give us a nurse's eye view of what you're seeing on a daily basis in South Sudan.
0: Um, so what I'm seeing in South Sudan, the area I'm working in, you know, I'm working in a remote, the remote northeastern region of South Sudan, very close to the South Sudanese border. And so in actual fact, a lot of the people we work with are refugees from the Sudan who have fled there um, from the outbreak of violence over five years ago. They arrived in the area with nothing, and there are now four refugee camps in the area. And Medair is working in one of them, providing all the water sanitation, nutrition, for under five-year-olds and pregnant and breastfeeding women and also the healthcare services to the greater than 41,000 refugees in the area. And so these people are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. They left Sudan for their own safety. They came to South Sudan, which is a country with its own challenges, and now they have nowhere else to go. Um, So they're really in a rock and a hard place. And as most people would be aware, South Sudan, was in um, war for over two decades. There, there then was the succession in 2011, and I was actually here at that time. And there was such great hope for their country then. And then actually collapsed into civil war on um, in December 2013. Uh, there was violence between government and opposition, forces in Juba and it's spread throughout the country and so it's really hard to actually gauge how much violence is around but there's so many people, tens of thousands have been killed and injured, so many people displaced from where they live and so trying to measure the amount of suffering that has happened in this country is incredibly difficult.
2: Jacinta, the majority of refugees are women and children. These are the ones you're seeing on a daily basis?
0: They are, yes. Yes. So um, I'm actually a midwife as well as a nurse, and my role is as reproductive health manager in Youthful Special Camp, where um, Medair are looking after all the services there. So we help a lot of women, um, basically, we look after them in their pregnancy to make sure they're safe, identifying any conditions that might need extra treatment, helping them to give birth safely and then looking after them in that immediate postnatal period to ensure that they are well and that their babies are well and growing well, that breastfeeding is happening well
2: yeah. You mentioned there are 40,000 people in the refugee camp that you are there uh, partly responsible for. What's the extent of yep. the overall uh, challenge that you have with refugees, uh, not only in your camp, but, but throughout South Sudan?
0: Oh, it's hard to tell, but in the area where we're in, there's actually four, um, and that's in the immediate area that we're in. So there is over 120,000, 130,000 refugees just in the area that I am in. There are other refugee camps down near the border with Uganda, and they've been there for many decades. In fact, some of the staff that we have with us have actually grown up in refugee camps themselves, which gives an idea of how long um, there have been challenges in this country. And there are also refugee camps along the border with Ethiopia as well.
2: Just into there must be amazing and almost devastating things that happen day to day in your work. Uh, what sort of encounters do you have that will be memorable for you forever?
0: There's, there's a few that stick in my mind, and one of them in a way that I had never, ever had before. This, is, well, this isn't my first assignment overseas, but it is my first media assignment. I had a call from one of the health people in Juba about... A community health worker who had had a woman come to him and lost her babies but still had the placenta inside and he didn't know what to do. So I had a three-way phone call with a community health worker in another state um, giving information over the phone about how he could make sure that that placenta came out. And I've never done that before so that is going to stick in my mind for sure. Um, we had a lady give off the baby at 16 weeks and she came to us bleeding with the placenta still inside. And so we were able to ha- make sure that placenta came out and decrease her risk of losing too much blood and also getting life-threatening infection. Um, one young mother sticks in my mind who came to the facility it was her first, first baby. She came in very early labour, but she didn't want to go home because she said she felt supported where she was and safe. And then the last one that really sticks to my mind is a second-time mother who had a very, very difficult time with her first birth. It took a long time for her to put the baby out. And the midwife on duty had alerted me to the previous difficulty and that she'd been pushing for about one and a half hours now. And our time limit is two hours and then we have to refer on. So I got her to change positions in between the contractions to try and give a little bit more oomph to her pushing to try and get, you know, gravity helping a bit. She had her baby about half an hour later and so it was an opportunity not only to help her give birth successfully but also to teach one of the midwives and also one of our clinical officers that flat on her back is not necessarily a good way for a woman to have her baby and that it's okay to try something different to try and help the process along. And so their stories are going to stick with me for a long time, I think.
2: Jacinta, do you feel as though your Christian faith comes to the fore in the work that you're doing?
0: Very, very much so, even if it's just how I live internally. And I know when I see so much suffering, what I have to do, I have to keep my eyes focused on the God who loves people passionately and who has made provision for us to be adopted as his children through Jesus. And I have to keep my eyes focused on Jesus, who has demonstrated how much he loves in his own suffering to bring us back to God, to, you know, to take us to, so that we can leave the darkness of our own sin. He shows what it is, that he understands what it is to suffer. He walks with us and he promises to never leave us, no matter what the circumstances of our God. And so I keep praying to this God who doesn't lose hope for the strength and the courage when I feel like I can't. So the faith is very important. And my belief in this process, the birthing process and pregnancy is an amazing thing. I've been a midwife for 14 years and I'm still moved when a baby is born. And to be able to help women in something that I love, that is an amazing, amazing gift. Despite the hard circumstances in which I am, I am so blessed in that. And I truly believe God wants us to be happy in work. He gives us these passions for a reason. We give so much of ourselves when we are working in an area that we love. It's a win-win situation. And we can do so much for God and for Jesus in that respect. When we love our work, when we have a heart that believes we have to live as Jesus lives. And that is, um, you know, he lived very much in a servant perspective, and that's um, I think that's the call on all our lives, that we live in a servant perspective, that we be passionate about our work and we give as much as we can. But Um, I know there's times when I feel like I can't go on, I sit down, I have my cry, and then I get up and keep going.
2: Jacinta, what sort of stories are you hearing from some of the women and the children who are coming into that refugee camp. Is there any story that's outstanding?
0: So the refugees, when they fled their own country, they don't have, because of the violence that sort of breaks out so quickly, they flee with really none of their own positions. And they've had to travel by foot. Um, they suffer from hunger, fear, exhaustion, dehydration along the way. And then even when they come to the camp area, life is still tough. There is none of what we equate with shelter back in Australia. So Their shelter is, um, and this is what I see on a daily basis, a shelter made of wooden poles and mud with tarpaulins often provided by different organisations for emergency shelter. Uh, there is nowhere near enough work for people. Uh, every week I am approached by women in the camp about the possibility of work in the clinic and they are happy to do anything um, there is food distribution within the camp, but there are still issues of, hung- of hunger. And people are pretty much entirely reliant on help from humanitarian organisations.
2: Is the camp full where you are? More than 40,000 people there. I mean, how many people can one refugee camp hold?
0: Um, there is It is pretty full, but it, it doesn't have... It doesn't have fences and walls like you might see in other areas. It's just on a very wide area, and it's quite spread out. So there's nothing to stop other people coming in and sitting up there, but then they have to register with um, the camp authorities. They then have to try and uh, you know ensure that they can get access to the food distribution there. The water points are all through the, the camp that air supply and so there's always access to water. There's always access to latrines, um, but there is... A, a bit of work in making sure that all people are covered by water, by sanitation and by um, food distribution as well. So they're not enclosed as such. They're just um, in open areas. um, And so there's nothing to stop other people from coming in. And and my understanding is also that people do move from camp to camp as well where they might have relatives that they've found. So they might at times move to different camps and then have to revisit
2: And Jacinta, you're welcome there in the camp. The South Sudanese have you there. Uh, Medair, a neutral humanitarian aid organisation. You're helping women uh, with uh, midwifery, going through the birth and the care for their babies. What other sort of personnel do you have on deck doing all sorts of things in the camp?
0: So we have midwives who are South Sudanese staff. We also have midwife assistants who are South Sudanese but also Sudanese staff who were also people who fled when violence broke out in their home state. We have uh, cleaners and most of those are local staff, so they're actually South Sudanese staff, part of the host community as opposed to part of the um, refugee community.
2: You are clearly there long term, how long do you expect to stay yourself and how long does a typical aid worker with MedAir stay on the ground?
0: So with MedAir there's usually the option, they have short term missions, sometimes to replace people for a gap while they're looking for someone to stay long term, they need someone to come in and be able to do a job for a short term period. And then there's usually contracts for 12 to 24 months, so it is more long-term. And it depends on the organisation. Some organisations have shorter uh, periods of service as opposed to Medair. I think part of Medair's mandate is is to, because of the work we're doing, is to get people who are going to stay at least that 12 months so that they can uh, really get to know the people, get to know the work, and so give more because of their non-program as well.
2: Are there particular skills that are where there's a shortage of skills that are required in the sort of aid organisation that you are? I mean, do you need more midwives? What other skills would you need?
0: Nurses and midwives are always welcome. There's also wash technicians and washes water and sanitation and hygiene. Engineers who have skills in building and infrastructure, that kind of stuff. Uh, logistics people um, and that's in supply and infrastructure as well. Management skills, finance skills, there are so many different areas that people can work in within Medair and there might be people who have never even thought of working for an aid organisation where you might find... Oh, I could do. I could do that. I have skills in management or I have skills in finance. So maybe they can use someone like me. So a lot of people tend to think, oh, it's only health um, or maybe nutrition or maybe I would need to be an engineer, but there's so many other staff that all support the work that's going on. We can't do our work without We need people to get supplies to us. We need people to be able to build things. And so we all work together. So there is a vast array of jobs that need to be done. Um, The website, which is www.medair.org, has a big list of jobs that are required and also skills required. Um, And also, Medair are very good at giving first-timers a go. Sometimes it's difficult to get you free in the door um, and somewhere along the line you need an organisation who's going to say, you've got some skills we can need, I think we can do you, let's give it a go. That well, give a lot of support to try and make sure that people stay as well. Uh, because it's hard, it is really hard work, you see, a, a lot of suffering, we work long hours, we live in difficult conditions and so you do need that support to make sure that you can keep doing
2: your job well and serving the people we are there to serve. Well, Jacinta, it is just our privilege and our pleasure to be able to get your insights, a, a nurse's eye view of what's happening there in a refugee camp in South Sudan. Uh, I will point people to the websites. Of course, Jacinta Jacinta Nell is a nurse with the Christian Aid Organisation called Medair, M-E-D-A-I-R. It's renowned to be one of the most active humanitarian relief organisations in South Sudan. The website is medair.org. And uh, you can find some details there. No doubt you can support financially. Uh, No doubt they'd be appreciative of your prayers. And Jacinta... Uh, Thank you so much for sharing your heart and for your understanding of what's going on in the refugee camp that you're working in. Thanks for being with us today on 2020.
0: Thank you for the opportunity, Neil, and definitely we value all the prayers that we can get.
1: Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported.